Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh, mercy! Five, four, three, two, one. From inside the warehouse at Oreo Park in Camden Yards, it's the Mass and All Access Podcast. Paul Mancano and Bobby Blanco with you as always. Bobby, how you doing on this freezing cold Thursday? It's getting chilly out there, Paul, but that means the winter meetings are right around the corner and we'll be in sunny Las Vegas soon enough. I, I got out of my car today, and it was frigid, and I thought, God, I cannot wait for Vegas. Well, the other funny thing about our area, Paul, is wasn't it like 60 degrees at some point last week? Yes. And now we're back down in the 40s. Yes. Below freezing. Over the weekend, it was uh, during Nats Fan Fest. It was rainy Fest. and cold. Yeah. Good good time to pick it to be outside. Exactly. Uh, so, we are talking Orioles on this podcast Got a lot to talk about, some manager candidates. We're going to get into the names that have been thrown out by various members of the media. And as Bobby mentioned, winter meetings are around the corner. So who could the Orioles target, if anybody, out on the free agent market and even through trades? What will Mike Elias do in his first offseason at the controls? So let's start with the managerial candidates that we've heard. We've already touched on Joe Espada in podcasts past. Uh, He is... I think seen by many from at the outside as the favorite for the job just because of his connections to Mike Elias. It's funny, a lot of the other names that we're going to touch on really have no connection to the Orioles, um, which is almost good to see because it's you want fresh blood when bringing somebody in. Yeah, yeah, and um, like we've said numerous times, a rebuild is you got to commit, you got to make this an important hire, much like the Mike Elias hire was important. Mm -hmm. This is equally as important in someone... You want to get a guy, and I think people will tend to think, well, if this guy's going to stick around for a while, see this rebuild through, he's probably going to be a younger guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not not necessarily the case. But I think that would play someone's a younger candidate's favor. Um, but yeah, it's going to be an interesting hire. Who they interview again, Joe Spada, like you said, probably the favorite, but also other names cropping up. Um, it does seem like the Orioles are doing their due diligence and, and interviewing yeah. a wide range of candidates to find the right person. Mike Elias said on last week's Hot Stove Show with Rock Cabaco that uh, Sig, Sig Medell, and myself have, quote, done a lot of background research on dozens of candidates, but this is last week. You said we pared it down quite a bit. We're well past phase one. So. They have cast a wide net, but they've already started to narrow it down. And it's funny because they're probably, at this point, it's Thursday. Winter meetings start on Monday. Doesn't Sunday, make, really. Sunday, really. It doesn't make sense for them to try to hire somebody back in Baltimore yeah. before the winter meetings. Uh, if they do pull off a hire while they're out in winter meetings and make their announcement, I think that'd be a great opportunity for them to showcase their brand new manager to the eyes of the baseball world. Yeah. I mean, the winter meetings are baseball's biggest off-season yeah. event, and we've seen in winter meetings past. Last year was Giancarlo Stanton. The year before that in D.C. was the Adam Eaton trade, yep. which was cool because it was a local town. Um, I don't think anything. I don't remember what happened back in Nashville, but you get it. It's yeah. the off-season. It's kind of a slow time for baseball. Yes, baseball is 365, but not for the entire yeah. sporting world. It's just for diehard baseball fans and people like ourselves in the media. So this is the time of the year where all right, everyone, not just in the baseball world, yeah. but the sporting world, will turn to this year. It's Las Vegas and see all right, what's going to happen. What's going to yeah. be the big splash? And if the Orioles, we've seen a lot. We see them work. You know, the PR 
and and their social media outreach a lot better. You know, not not better, but differently. This yeah. c- w- with this new rebuild, they're boosting it. Yeah. yeah, and you know they're looking for that. Obviously, when you finish as the worst team in baseball, you want to get a positive image out yeah. there. And I think, like you said, this would be the right way to do that. It'd be really cool to, you know, especially if no, we're seeing a lot of trades and yeah. signings happen over the past couple of weeks. You know, if it turns out that nothing happens over the winter meetings, which it, it has happened in the yeah. past, not, sometimes it's a very quiet winter meetings. I Maybe that Nashville one was a quiet winter meetings. Um, and it turns out that the Orioles made the biggest news by hiring a manager. Yeah. That'd be pretty cool for not just the team, but the fan base. And especially considering last year, they were all in the news during the winter meetings because Manny Machado right. was on the trading block. Yeah, and then didn't move. Exactly. And so that was just maybe not negative per se, but it was just like it was waiting for an anvil to fall on Bugs Bunny. It was waiting for something to happen. Um, this would be you get out at the start of it. Maybe they make their announcement Monday. And uh, you've got every reporter, you know, Ken Rosenthal, Bob Nightingale, all these guys are going to be there. They literally have an enormous room with a high ceiling where they have hundreds of chairs and desks set up for all of the media to work in the media workroom and to have, uh, you know, announce their manager and put them up on the podium like the Yankees did with Giancarlo Stanton last year. Um, that just gets people to notice and talking about the Orioles. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, like Paul said, it's it's a giant conference room, and it's basically split into two. One half is where all the press media are, mm-hmm. like all the writers, and in the back corner there's uh, Radio Row. Yeah. But uh, and for the other two, other third of the room is a giant conference room setup. It's yeah. a, there's a stage, there are mics, there's a podium, there are a thousand cameras set up from media all across the world. Yeah. International media come to this event too, um, and Every manager speaks at the winter meetings, but every manager speaks at a little desk to the yeah. side in the front of the room where just basically the local media will surround them and talk to them. Sometimes national people come out if it's a new media, a uh, new manager, but it would be cool if the Orioles manager press meeting would happen on the big stage and in exactly. front of the entire baseball world. And you're streaming across MLB Network, um, obviously Masson and Masson All Access. Yeah. Um, and you can find it anywhere you would like because it would be the hot topic of the baseball winter meetings. Yeah, to take you behind the curtain, it's just in a hotel. Like, as, well, as, it's at a resort. As, it's yeah, at a it resort, is, not just is. a hotel. You this, know, we're not, what, no, no, Marriott down yeah. the street. I think this year is going to be cool, especially because last year it was like at quote unquote Disney, but you're not really in Disney. Right, you're, you're in you know a little Lake Buena Vista, the Swan and Dolphin Resort. Exactly. Again, still a resort. This year, though. Everything is in Mandalay Bay. Yeah. You have a huge aquarium. You have an a arena. All this stuff is uh, within the same property. I'm excited that the airport is right next to it so we don't have to lug all of our equipment. True. And, uh, and like, Paul, we always – this is, I think, only your second winter meetings, right? But I think this would be my fourth. Uh, nice. But we always, we always joke, like – Winter meetings, it, the only negative part is that you never leave the hotel yeah. resort. This one, like, that's a good thing because there, there's no reason to leave yeah. Mandalay Bay because there is plenty to do. There's a lot of things going on. Exactly. All right, back to the managerial candidates. Joe Espada, just to recap the kind of candidate he is, um, he would be coming over from Houston. He's been their bench coach since 2017. He's 43 years old. He's a native of Puerto Rico. He is bilingual. Uh, he never made it to the big leagues as a player. Uh, spent 10 seasons in the minors as a uh, player. Uh, started out in the Marlins system as their third base coach, then was a pro scout with the Yankees and their third base coach. Uh, he is checks a lot of the boxes of being young, of being bilingual, comes from a good winning team, uh, interested and, and knowledgeable about analytics, and has connections to Mike Elias. 
Yeah, I think that's that's the obvious connection is that Michael Elias knows how he works very well. Yeah. Um, and what he likes to what he sees when he's managing a baseball game, you know, the bench coach is usually the guy that's thinking one step ahead of the manager. You yeah. know, trying to give him advice of like, all right, here's who's coming up, here's what moves should be made. Yeah. Um. So Michael Elias is probably very familiar with how Joe Espada does that, and you know, obviously bench coaches basically the assistant manager, the assistant coach. Yeah. Um, and so that's where they usually get those tactics. And with a good knowledge of how Espada likes to work a game, I think that makes him the favorite. Although there are, like we have heard rumors that there are uh, yeah. uh, interviewing other candidates. Including Chip Hale, who's currently the bench coach for the Nationals, his first season with the Nats. He's a former third base coach with the Mets, bench coach with the Oakland A's, uh, manager. He was a manager himself. With the Diamondbacks in 2015-16, went just 148 and 176 in those two seasons. Um, but he had some interesting things to say. Uh, he was available at the Nationals Winterfest. We were there. And he was asked about uh, whether he had interviewed for the Orioles' job. Here's what he had to say. There's 30 jobs, you know, and if you get the opportunity, it's it's a blessing. So um, with all the turnover this year, um, I have not interviewed yet. So, um, you know, I have a great job here. I love it. Um, if you get the opportunity to talk to somebody and uh, get to meet some new people, it would be a great opportunity. So that's pretty much all I'll say on that. Obviously the Orioles are in a rebuild. Is that something that would interest Yeah, I, I think that we always talk about rebuild or reboot or whatever you want to call it. Um, and, and, for example, I was in Oakland, and everybody felt like that was going to be a long, tenuous rebuild, and guess what, they're in a playoff. So anywhere that um, I am, whether it's here or anywhere in baseball, as a manager, your job is to work that room and win as many games as you can. So that's really the the mindset that I've always had. So we hadn't interviewed at that point, but it sounded like he was in contact and uh, was had been contacted, basically, about that opening. Right. It was reported uh, that weekend that mm-hmm. he was going to be interviewed and, you know, just play, keeping the cards close to the vest, yeah. playing it safe, you know, no no reason to just go, yep. I mean, especially when you're at a Nationals event. You yeah. Know, you're still a part of the, There's no reason to come out and be like, yep, I was up in Baltimore the other day interviewing for the manager position. Like, um, <laughs> Yeah. That's, that, was, that would be a bad look. But uh, Chip Hale, again, has managing experience. Um, you know, he's done a great job here. Davey Martinez has only spoken very highly of him with his time here at the Nationals. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did mention, like we just heard, you know, getting caught up. Um, in the analytics game, and there's a lot of information out there. He likes to, he likes to learn. He's learning every day in and day out as a, as a manager or a bench coach um, with all yeah. the new information coming available. Another candidate that was reported by Peter Gammons, Mike Bell, who is the brother of David Bell, who just got hired by the Reds. Kind of funny because he's a third-generation big league player and uh, big league uh, name. And somebody who, uh, he was the director of player development for the Diamondbacks. Baseball is an uh, old boys club, Bobby. And I think uh, this it's kind of, uh, I wouldn't say rearing its ugly head, but it's clear that if you have a, a well-known name, it'll kind of get you in the door at least. Right, yeah. And um, we've seen it, you know, I mean, you can even go as far as, like saying David Martinez, just because he's been around Joe Madden for so long, right, like that's right. why he was came. I'm not that David Martinez isn't good at his job, but like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's 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 definitely a it's maybe the oldest boy club. It's, yeah, it's definitely yeah. more of a like who you know rather than what you know. Yeah. Um, 
and not, not taking away from uh, from him as as a person or, or what his baseball knowledge is. But yeah, his his last name definitely helps. <laughs> yeah, son of Buddy Bell, who played in the seventies and eighties, collected some twenty five hundred hits and managed for three different clubs. And as mentioned, his brother David just got hired. By the Reds, so he's another name, and then another reported name coming from Ken Rosenthal was Brandon Hyde, who's the bench coach for the Cubs, another guy in theory off that Joe Madden tree, and we've seen several of those apples plucked from that tree as of late. Yep, and um, obviously he won a World Series in Chicago with the Cubs, um, and another disciple of Joe Madden. Fun fact about Hyde. Paul, I did as I was doing my research. He yep. actually has managerial experience. Really, he's managed one game. He managed one game with the Marlins back in 2011, <laughs> when then uh, Edwin, then manager Edwin Rodriguez, mm-hmm. uh, unexpectedly resigned in the middle of the season. And so he, uh, for that that night's game, he was named the manager. So he did. Man- it was a two-one loss um, when he was with uh, the Marlins, mm-hmm. um, but uh, nonetheless, he has one game on his resume. <laughs> Which I that, thought was interesting. Yeah, 0-1. <laughs> so let's not credit him as not having any experience. He has one game of experience. Has yet to get a win as a manager, but yep. yeah, he's got it under his belt. Congrats. Uh, another name, Pedro Griffol. He's the Royals quality control slash slash catching coach. Uh, that's another name coming from a, a organization that um, has a World Series as of late and is I would say for mostly forward thinking, despite mm-hmm. the fact that you know they haven't won recently. Yeah, also kind of not as deeply as the Orioles, but similar in sort of a rebuilding phase and, yeah. and trying to get rid of their um, hot, uh, older talents, so to speak, and, yeah. and and move forward in a younger phase of their organization. Uh, yeah, a guy we don't really know too much about, just knowing that he's been with the Royals and um, um, quality control. You know that implies that he has looked at analytics and numbers and stuff like that, so he knows that kind of side of the game as well. Exactly. So those are all the names that we've heard so far. Um, As new names come in, we'll be sure to let you know. uh, As Rockabaco on MassInSports.com will also pass along that information. All right, so if they do hire a manager at the winter meetings, that might not be the only thing that they do. They might actually be active in free agency, and I know what you're thinking. This isn't the right time to go out and make a splash, but I think they need to do something. It doesn't need to be, uh, it, it shouldn't be anything that requires big money, shouldn't be any trades that require heavy assets, but it's clear that the roster is a little depleted right now. They're yeah. going to try to fill it up with the Rule 5 draft, and they'll do that on Thursday. Um, but right now, when you look at the the roster that they have in front of them, the only infielders they have, they non-tendered Caleb Joseph, they non-tendered Tim Beckham, and that leaves catching and infield very thin. The only infielders they have right now on the roster are Renato Nunez, Bravik Valera, Jonathan VR, Steve Wilkerson, and, of course, Chris Davis. Um, I think if they're going to make a move, it's going to be uh, – I, I think they're not really going to touch outfield. I yeah. think it's going to be maybe sign somebody cheap as an infielder. Yeah, it's kind of the backwards thinking of where we were a couple of years ago where we were like the Orioles need to add outfielders. Now yeah. they almost have too many and need to add infielders. Um, obviously, I think for me, I think, well, I don't know. The market will dictate. I would prefer, and I think most people would prefer for the Orioles to hire a manager first because you would like the GM and manager making these free agent decisions together because yeah. then you risk if – if you hire or if you go and sign a free agent, this might not that guy might not fit into this manager's style or 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 plans for the team. 
Yeah. Um, but that being said, if there's a guy out there who has merit and who can come at a good price, you can't really pass up on it. And there's a lot to be said for veteran experience on a rebuilding team. Um, Orioles are going to be a tough sell to a, a guy veteran who, you know, is it is it a different is it a later stage in his career and you know might be ring chasing so to speak yeah. or 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 looking for a, a good situation to come into to help. Um, but again, if 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 the right person presents itself, mm-hmm. I think that's you you have to take it because veteran experience does help a lot in the clubhouse and, and off the field stuff yeah. in terms of a rebuilding team. And I think particularly when it comes to catcher, because you're going to have a lot of young pitchers on this staff. That's a good point. And uh, you need a, an experienced catcher, I think, to help show them the ropes. It's going to be tough for a guy making his major league debut to be thrown to Chan Cisco, who also barely knows what he's doing out there because he just doesn't have enough games under his belt. Right. Um, in terms of catchers, uh, I don't think they're going to touch the top guys, Yasmani Grandel or anything like that. But... Uh, a name that I think would be f- interesting if they could get, who's still kind of a big name, Jonathan Lucroy is out there. Mm-hmm. He has had he c- he's coming off a very poor, by his standards, 2018, and he's seen a steep drop off in his production over the last two years. He's 33 years old. He's been around for what seems like forever when he was with the Brewers for forever, and he was with the A's recently. A guy who I think is very well respected in the game. If he maybe wants to come here play almost every day and get his stock back up on like a one-year contract i'd be very interested in jonathan lucroy yeah they can get him cheaply yeah yeah and again with a with a guy like that and his track record it's going to come down to well will he be willing to come here right um just like any other free agent but i agree i think he's a guy he's a proven catcher veteran presence 33 years old he will be able to guide these young pitchers through games and give good point and also be a good role model yeah for Chancisco and kind of like a situation we saw years ago with Matt Wieters and Caleb Joseph, you know, and Caleb Joseph, when Matt Wieters left the Orioles was very adamant about how much Matt Wieters helped him in his career. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's not just the pitchers, this catcher, whoever, if, and if they bring someone in, he'll, they'll be helping. He'll be helping also the young catchers as catchers as well. Exactly. Um, and building up that, their repertoire. So yeah, Luke Roy's a guy, uh, you know, Kurt Suzuki's off the board, I don't think we'll see Grandel or Maldonado um, coming here, but maybe a Wilson Ramos, a guy with injury history. Yeah, uh, I don't know if teams will be too bullish on on bringing him in. Competitors, that is. Yeah. Um, with his history of injuries, um, and if if the price is right, he'd be willing to to come here and also another another quality catcher who um, can provide some leadership. And, and a couple other names that are just out there. These guys uh, wouldn't. You know, we're, we're, they're not signing these guys necessarily to hit. They're signing these guys to be veteran presence. Uh, Jared Saltalamacchia, who's been around for another guy who's been around for what seems like forever. He's 34. Um, and then uh, Stephen Voigt uh, and Bobby Wilson, some guys that are out there that uh, we'll see. We'll see if they do anything on the, with these guys. Uh, A.J. Ellis as well. Interesting. 38 mm-hmm. years old. Um, all right. So beyond those guys, infield is, is definitely um, – a, a weakness at this point. Um, do you see Bobby any free agents out there that might be uh, an option for the Orioles at this point? I mean, the name we're going to continuously hear until he does sign somewhere is Jonathan Scope. Yeah, and while that would be a great story, this is a player that is either in or approaching his prime. I don't know if if you're in a rebuild, that's someone you want to bring. I mean, obviously. 
you would love to bring him in, but yeah, if you're if you're kind of wasting his prime years on non-competitive teams, then by the time you are competitive, maybe he's gone on the downslope. Yeah, and then also on the flip side, would Jonathan Scope in his prime wanted? I mean, we saw him go to a, a playoff contender. He didn't perform very well, but he went to a playoff contender. He has a taste of the playoffs and playing in a, or being around a league championship series, almost reaching the World Series. Um, so, but yeah, until we're gonna hear that name throughout the offseason until he signs somewhere or until the Orioles sign another infielder. But um, yeah. that's the first one off the top of my head, and I just don't see it as a fit. Yeah, it's it would be a great As story. cool it would it's be, right, yeah. yeah. Because he was a fan favorite, and a lot of, you know, the team I think was also at times hesitant to deal him because he still has a year left on his contract, had a year left on his yep. contract before he was non-tendered. And it was, it's just amazing how quickly things can change. Yeah. The, at this point last year, they were talking about, oh my God, are they going to have to trade Jonathan Scope before he hits free agency because he's going to have the same type of power Manny has and is going to hold that over the Orioles and he's going to get a $200 million contract with whatever team he wants. Right, or we were hearing, trade Manny, sign Scope. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And here we are, Scope just got non-tendered. Yeah, by a contender. By a contender, not just as some yeah. scrubbed him, by a contender. They said, nope, you're not good enough to play that's we don't, crazy. We don't need you right now. That is crazy. We're better without you. Yeah. Or we can get better without you. That That is nuts. We will give you away. Yeah, this time last year, he was the most valuable Oriole. Yeah. He was the best player on the team. Exactly. Um, they weren't, a, they fell off, weren't quite contenders, but he was the best player on a on a competitive, I can think it's fair to say the 2017 Orioles were competitive, a mm-hmm. competitive team. Yeah. And then now the fact, you know, he's out of a job. Yeah. That, that, that's crazy. It shows how badly uh, he hit, especially with the Brewers. And overall, he had just 233 in the season, 21 homers. That's a. It was uh, a rough season for Scope because really he, bad. He, he, he dealt with injuries early on this season when he yeah. was with the Orioles. Just when it seemed like he was, seemed like he was turning his season around, mm. he got hot. And then the Orioles dealt him, and then yep. everything kind of plummeted from there. Everything did. He hit just 202 in 46 games with the Brewers down the stretch. VR. Out hit him by a mile. Yeah, uh, I mean the Orioles won that trade. I mean, think of yeah. how many people the Brewers gave up for a guy who didn't even start for them down the line. Yeah, or in the postseason, they they traded VR and two other prospects. Um, and even if those prospects turn out to be nothing, the Orioles still won that trade. Right. Um, which is just crazy to think about. Um, and you better believe the Brewers wish they had VR in the playoffs. Oh yeah, because of how poorly Scope hit. Yep. Agreed. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think that would be a great story, but I think he's going to try to... I mean, the thing is, the argument you can make for him, I think, is that maybe he wants to rehab his value, yeah. and he can do that on a, you know, like... One-year deal? What, you know, it, how many teams are going to be able to see a guy who hit two thirty three last year and say, we want to give you a starting job from day one? Yeah. Um, the Orioles can do that. Um, yeah. And I, <laughs> I'm just imagining a scenario in my head where... He signs with the Orioles. <laughs> it builds back up his value, and then they trade him again. Yeah, I can say they just flip him. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean that, that would. Hey, it's a business, and um, if if he's okay with it, yeah, yeah. But also with that with that aspect, you know, a team would have to be willing to accept him and yeah. trade for him. Be like, well, this happened last year. Exactly. It didn't turn Wait out too second. well for the Brewers. What's different about this year? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that would be kind of funny just to flip him. <laughs> that would be a funny situation. Um, yeah, so beyond that, I think the Orioles are going to stay relatively quiet, um, and especially in trades because they their farm system is not loaded right now, but it's a whole lot better than it was at this point last year. Uh, and I think they're going to 
um, pretty much if they make a big move in, in winter meetings, it will be hiring a manager. Yeah, and uh, we look forward to that. Obviously, they stick with us for th- mm-hmm. all the coverage. Mass and All Access is bringing you two live shows a day. Now, keep in mind, <laughs> Las Vegas is three hours behind yep. Baltimore. So we'll be doing our live shows from 3 to 5 p.m. Baltimore time and then also 9 to 11 p.m. Baltimore time. So keep that in mind. Yes, th- that last show is kind of late, but with the time difference, the news and the wrapping up of the day, hearing from um, um the managers, even though we, then Orioles won't have one, and, and the GMs. That all comes later in the day for us. It's obviously later into the evening for you guys, but we want to make sure we bring you all up the latest news. So stay up with us. Yeah. Uh, make sure you tune in. We'll have lots of guests. Rocco Bacco, Steve Molesky, obviously highlighting those on Mass on Access. Maybe get some national people um, and get some guys who have some insight onto yeah. the Orioles farm system and see who's coming up. And to pull you behind the curtain once again, this is our second year of doing this. I feel a whole lot better going into oh this year. Oh my gosh, <laughs> infinitely better. It's it's it, it's night and day, yeah. Paul. It, we've talked about this all yeah. all week. It's like it's crazy how last year we were so nervous and freaking yeah. out like is this going to turn out well? <laughs> and we want to shout out and thank you yeah. the fans who tuned in and made our show success. Exactly. Um and and now we're going back and yeah. just we're we know what we're doing, we know what we're setting up, how to yeah. set up, how to fill time. Um, what what news counts? I mean, just in, exactly infinitely more confident than than we were last yeah, year. Yeah, because we went into last year. I mean, all this stuff is new. A lot of this stuff is new between Facebook Live and all. Yeah, all this tech, not just the technology, but the format as well. Yeah, uh, and we went in. We had never done a show that was longer than an hour, and we went in and did three hour shows every day, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Uh, and you guys tuned in, and that was great. And we hope to get you all back again this yeah, year yeah. for what we hope is a slightly better product yeah. than last year. Yeah, my hope, and the best part is that it is Facebook Live. Um, and my hope, my little tip, here's my tip, and this actually came from my, Give it to me, Bobby. Well, my girlfriend actually came, because she's a, she's a big Ooh. O's fan. She's like, well, for the 9 and 11 o'clock shows, I'm just going to throw it on my phone while I'm in bed and, you know, watch until, you know, until I, I drift off to sleep. And yeah. if it's good stuff, I'll probably just, if there's news, I'll probably just stay up and watch the whole thing. There it's you like, go. yeah, you don't have to be by TV to watch our shows. That's the best part. Exactly. True. You throw can. on your iPad, throw it on your phone, and then you're comfy, nice and snugly <laughs> back here in cold Baltimore. This is true. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Tune in all week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We'll have coverage. From Las Vegas, for Bobby Blanco, I'm Paul Mancano. Twitter handles at Bobby underscore Blanco. I'm at Paul Mancano. Be sure to tune in. Rate, subscribe. Please do all that stuff uh, as well. Thanks for listening to the Mass and All Access podcast.